Welcome to Getting Melfi with Mark and Meg, a podcast where we talk all things taboo from self-care to sex work. Get ready to be comfortable with all things uncomfortable. Now let's get Melfi. Welcome back to Getting Melfi, episode 10, fam. Double digits. This is exciting. We're moving forward. So today it's going to be just Margaret as your host again, um, but that's okay. <laughs> We're practicing with just me. Um, but I do have a very special guest. Um, her name is Emma, and I'll read you a little bit about her. So Emma is a registered nurse, integrative health practi- practitioner, and full-time student. Emma is currently in her fourth semester at Canada's most comprehensive comprehensive, oh, I can't talk today, three-year holistic nutrition program with a focus on women's reproductive health. Emma has always been passionate about women's health. However, her interest heightened when she started on her own health journey to heal her gut, come off oral contraceptives, and balance her hormones. During this time, she found a huge gap in the resources available for women's reproductive health. This sparked a deep dive into further her education in the realm of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle changes, herbs, supplements, and functional lab testing, all of which she used to transform her life. Now her mission is to educate and empower other women to do the same. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. Um, So we are going to talk all about women's health, birth control, things like that today. So stay tuned. All right, so let's get right into it. What methods of birth control are available? So there are many methods available out there, although a lot of people our age definitely only mm-hmm. know about a few of them, yep. but yeah, we're guilty for that. I feel like our generation was kind of let down a little bit in this yep. area, but the most common ones are our oral contraceptives. We have our combined oral contraceptives, which have two forms of hormones. They have um, a synthetic progestin-like substance and an estrogen in them, and then we have what is called like the mini pill, which is just a progestin-like hormone. So we have two types of oral contraceptives. We also have NuvaRings. We also have um, IUDs as well as, um, there's an implant as well, but that's actually not available in Canada. Is that the one that goes in your arm? Yeah, it's the one that's kind of inserted like underneath the skin. Under the skin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't actually have those in Canada, but they are still available in the US because the regulations in US are a little bit less okay. strict as Canada. So Canada <laughs> has not let that one in. And with the um, IUDs, there's hormonal IUDs as well as the copper IUD. Mm-hmm. And there's the patch and there's also the Depo-Provera injection. There's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot out there, but those are just our more invasive types of birth control. Mm-hmm. There's also all of our barrier methods, right? So mm-hmm. we have female condoms, diaphragms, sponges, cervical caps, spermicide withdrawal Mm. and fertility awareness which is a form of body literacy aimed at completely understanding your cycle and knowing the days that you are fertile and the days that you are not fertile Mm -hmm. because unlike common knowledge we are actually only fertile for a total of six days every single cycle cool yeah i just got this app um it's called flow and it tells you like when you're like ovulating yeah so The apps are amazing, Mm -hmm. but this is actually, this is a great conversation to have because I've actually had a lot of people message me on my Instagram Mm -hmm. telling me about the apps. So the apps are aimed at predicting ovulation Mm -hmm. 
but they can never tell you if you're actually ovulating. Mm. So it's really important that when we as women are using these apps, Mm -hmm. we are understanding that these are based on average cycles Mm -hmm. as well as your past cycles to Mm -hmm. create a prediction. So we can actually use the apps to fully prevent pregnancy, but we can use them as a window to potentially learn more about when we may be ovulating. They do not work for people with irregular cycles. Mm -hmm. They only work for people with steady, balanced hormones who have a regular, consistent schedule. And the only way we can actually confirm ovulation is by basal body temperature and cervical fluid. So just knowing that we cannot actually confirm our fertile window through apps, but they can help us learn more about when we may experience that window. So they're not foolproof. Don't use them. <laughs> Don't yeah. make that your number one source of birth control yes. if you're really trying to not get pregnant. If you are coming off hormonal contraceptives or an IUD or some kind of um, device that is preventing you from getting pregnant and all of them prevent pregnancy in different ways mm-hmm. um, and you are thinking of using a more natural method or you are trying to use a fertility awareness method, the apps are not fertility awareness. So do not use that as your number one. You need to know your biomarkers. You need okay. to know how to track other Noted. markers as well. I would say okay. probably guilty. Like I'm probably guilty of using the app. <laughs> yes. So the apps can be great. And when you learn your body, you might know that it is actually showing you that that is accurate. But for anybody listening, please do not rely on an app as your sole <laughs> form of birth control. The fertility awareness method is 99.6% effective, but that is not the app. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Noted. So, um, you said there's a difference between like hormonal versus like copper. Yes. Um, so what what is that difference? Like how how does something that's not hormonal, how does the copper work? Like I'm I'm curious. Yeah. So I'm just gonna step back a second yep. and just bring in the conversation of the difference between oral contraceptives, the IUD, and the copper because yes. all three of these actually work completely differently. Okay. Which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the combined oral contraceptive pills, which is what normally is the pill that we're prescribed. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different um, variations because each company produces a different progestin-like hormone, okay. which is why they have different names because they all are a bit synthesized a bit differently in the lab. So the birth control pills, the combined pill, they work by completely shutting down all of your hormones. So you're not producing any of your own estrogen, any of your own progesterone. That doesn't sound great. No, it's pretty much, (laughs) I don't want to make it sound horrible because I do actually support people using the pill Mm -hmm. for contraception, but it is almost like castration. They essentially shut down all of our female hormones, which prevents ovulation. So without our own production of estrogen, we never ovulate. And if we don't ovulate, we don't produce progesterone. And if we aren't ovulating, there's no way we can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So the combined pill is extremely, extremely effective at preventing Mm -hmm. pregnancy. However, it comes at its own cost of shutting down our own hormones. The IUDs, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. there's three really common ones in Canada, and those are the Mirena, the Jadas, and the Kylina. Mm -hmm. They each, like all three of them, have different dosing of hormones, and that's Mm -hmm. why they're called different names. And those ones actually don't always shut down ovulation. So they only have the progesterone-like hormone in them. There's Mm -hmm. no estrogen in the IUDs, and they make your uterus inhabitable for an egg essentially implanting and they also change your cervical fluid so instead of having like really kind of juicy sticky elasticy 
fertile cervical fluid, Mm -hmm. it becomes more sticky, tacky. It's changed in composition, which doesn't allow sperm to actually get up into your fallopian tubes and fertilize an egg. So sometimes it's stopping ovulation. Sometimes it's just making your cervical fluid and your uterus essentially difficult for sperm to get up to the egg. So, so that's how those ones stop. Okay, this may be a dumb question, but is the cervical fluid like the discharge? Yes. Okay. Yes, thank you for clarifying <laughs> One in the same. That. Okay. One in the same. Our okay. discharge can be called cervical fluid, cervical mucus, any kind of vaginal discharge. Okay. Which is completely normal to fluctuate and change depending where you're at in your cycle mm-hmm. or depending which hormones you have in your body. Okay. Yeah, which is one of the biomarkers for learning when we're actually fertile Uh because our cervical fluid changes when we're fertile. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so ladies, if you haven't (laughs) ever paid attention before to the discharge down there, it's actually really, really important. And it's not as scary as it's been made out to seem. (laughs) No, it's not scary at all. Like, look at your underwear. It's fine. Yeah, look at your (laughs) underwear, wipe before you go to the washroom, and honestly, like, explore your own bodies. It's really Mm -hmm. important for us to be comfortable and understand what is going on. This is a part of our body and Mm -hmm. our reproductive health, and it's something that we need to kind of, like, take back control But back to your question about the difference between the IUDs, um, the IUDs that have the hormones, which Mm -hmm. were the three that I listed previously, they, the hormone is what makes the uterus change, like the cervical fluid, and it releases a steady dose Mm -hmm. of a bit of a progesterone substance. And the copper IUD has zero hormones. So the copper IUD is completely based on copper ions. Now, we don't 100% understand why the copper ions do this, Mm -hmm. but essentially they like immobilize sperm. So Mm. not only are they kind of creating this, a bit of an inflammatory response within your uterus, they're Mm -hmm. also, the ions don't let the sperm reach the egg. And if they do so get to that egg, Mm -hmm. the egg cannot implant on the wall of your uterus because of the environment in the uterus. So the copper Hmm. works with ions and inflammation, and the hormonal IEDs work through a steady dose of progestin, which changes your cervical fluid and the wall of your uterus. And sometimes it prevents ovulation. So there's a lot of women that actually have full cycles on their IUDs. Hmm. So they could get their period, and they could be producing their own estrogen, and they could be producing their own progesterone if they're ovulating, mm-hmm. which is actually a really amazing feature of some of the IUDs, especially the really low-dose ones. Yeah, so the copper seems like a more natural versus, I guess, the synthetic hormone yes. version. Yes, so the copper is more natural because it's not interfering with your hormones whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So you're able to cycle fully and we're able to have a really good look at what your hormones are actually doing. Mm -hmm. However, it does have its side effects as well, right? So I mentioned that it has kind of a low-grade inflammation Mm -hmm. in the uterus. So that's going to make your periods potentially more heavy and more painful because of that localized inflammation and irritation. Uh So some women who already have really heavy, painful periods, this one can sometimes be not well tolerated. Okay, so maybe not like the right choice for those situations. So then what are, um, let's go into some side effects of birth controls, hormonal and otherwise. (laughs) So I just mentioned mostly the, like the most intense side effect of the copper IUD. So mm-hmm. that one was the heavy bleeding and the painful cramping. Mm-hmm. 
when it comes to the hormonal pill, Mm -hmm. those have quite high dose hormones. And just to kind of give everybody a bit of a reference, the lowest dose pill on the market has levonorgestrel 100 micrograms and ethanol estradiol 20 micrograms. So that is the dose in every single pill. Okay, so for non-nurses, what does that mean? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so levonorgestrel is the progestin that they use, and that's 100 micrograms, and the ethanol estradiol is the estrogen they use, which is 20 micrograms. So this is the lowest dose pill you can get on the market, and that is the micrograms of hormones that you're getting every time you swallow the pill. And to make this make sense, <laughs> yeah. yeah, is the IUDs have significantly lower amounts of hormones being released. So with a pill, you need to up that amount in that Mm -hmm. pill so that when you swallow it, Mm -hmm. it makes it through your digestion into your bloodstream and systemically. So they need a significant more amount of hormone Mm -hmm. to have the systemic effect that your body needs to stop ovulation. Whereas the IUD is are localized they yeah, sit right there they're right there they're inserted <laughs> you go in as if you're getting a pap test mm-hmm. and they insert it right in through your cervix into mm-hmm. your uterus and they release a steady state of hormone every single every 24 hours so mm-hmm. it's it's constantly being seeped out but this is where i'm going with this conversation <laughs> is that 100 micrograms in comparison um the morena has 52 milligrams or 20 52 milligrams in the IUD but mm-hmm. only 20 micrograms are getting released every day compared to 100 micrograms 100 mi- oh my pill. goodness yeah so the morena is 20 micrograms the kylina is 17.5 micrograms and the skyla is 14 micrograms so there's a significant change in dosage that you're getting mm-hmm. and even though the pill has such a high dose of hormone it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's being absorbed into your bloodstream, but when we're looking at it, the IUDs can have less side effects. So that's where I'm going with this. The pills okay. have more intense side effects because the hormones are so high, mm-hmm. and the IUDs tend to have less side effects because the hormones being given are dramatically less. So with you say if the pill, um, it's got way more hormones in it yes. because it has to make it through your whole digestive tract. So where does the rest of the hormones go so are they just excreted and your body just gets rid of them or really really good question (laughs) so this is kind of going back to the conversation of hormones and what they do in our body and how we excrete them Mm -hmm. and when you take the pill you swallow it it goes into your stomach it goes into your small intestine into your colon and then excreted through your stool However, in your small intestine and throughout your intestinal tract, your body is pulling minerals and nutrients and, in this case, medication into Mm -hmm. your bloodstream where it's circulated. And then it goes to your liver to be synthesized. So when the liver gets it and synthesizes it into a usable form and it circulates in our bloodstream, our body reads it as a steady state of estrogen and progesterone. progestin it's a synthetic progesterone and the excess or what's not needed Mm -hmm. is excreted so it's excreted through our bile and through our stool and through our urine and out all of our like detoxification pathways Mm -hmm. however if we are not properly hydrated if we're not having a bowel movement consistently Mm -hmm. which is one to three times a day Mm -hmm. if our liver is backed up or clogged up or if we're taking other medications 
these hormones are trying to be excreted, but then we're reabsorbing them. So for example, if you don't have a bowel movement today Mm -hmm. and your body was trying to excrete estrogen, Mm -hmm. your body will actually reabsorb that estrogen and then try again. So essentially we're like reabsorbing the hormones in our body, Mm -hmm. which is leading to a lot more symptoms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's kind of like a, it compiles and it's just like adding on top of each other. And we have this this body full of hormones that are trying to get rid of themselves mm-hmm. but our body isn't conducive to it so yeah our body definitely tries to excrete them but in today's society with the food we're eating and mm-hmm. we might not have really good digestion or we're drinking iced coffees instead of water and yeah exactly <laughs> you know the, the, the life right? yeah the life yeah which is why some of these symptoms can be super prevalent for some people and not mm-hmm. others Everybody has a different liver. Everybody's liver detoxifies synthetic compounds and medication and alcohol and the food we're eating and all of those proteins and substances. Like we all detoxify differently. Mm -hmm. So you might react really well to one pill. Mm -hmm. Another person might react really poorly to the same pill and then actually find more relief with a different pill because it's a different compound. So we always have to play around with our livers and our liver health and that's kind of a really good indicator of why some people do really well on the pill and some people don't because some people are just reabsorbing higher levels or some people's livers are really not handling the certain synthetic compounds in the pill. Yeah. But back to your question about side effects. Yes. Sorry, I got on a tangent, <laughs> That's okay. which I will do a lot. Yeah, we'll digress a lot. It's fine. So people are aware from usually their primary care providers about the serious adverse effects of being mm-hmm. on hormones. So those can include circulatory disorders such as blood clots, high blood pressure, breast cancer, cervical cancer, liver tumors, gallbladder disease, all of these really serious side effects these are the extremes right and this is where primary care providers are super diligent about making sure that you don't fit the high risk category when they're prescribing hormones so these are the side effects that they'll ask you about for example are you a female over 35 that smokes we hear this a lot these people are are at a majorly increased risk of these serious side effects and Mm. probably shouldn't be taking a hormonal birth control or should be trying some smoking cessation Uh programs. Yeah. But we don't really hear about the moderate side effects. What are the side effects? Those day-to-day ones. The day-to-day ones that have been deemed in trials as not worthy of stopping the birth control pill, right? These are just side effects that we have to feel, which are just a consequence of having such an effective pregnancy prevention tool. Yeah, yeah. So these things are like breast tenderness, spotting, irregular bleeding, nausea, vomiting, weight gain, weight loss, fluctuations in appetite, hair loss, hair growth, lowered sex drive, headaches, (laughs) rashes, vaginal infections, yeast infections. The list goes on. All of these things that women just associate with them mm-hmm. or them being crazy or anxiety and mood fluctuations and weight fluctuations that list that i just said to you i got that from the product monograph of the birth controls that we are taking today that is a huge list this and, <laughs> and it's not even like that's not even the full list yeah and on top of that like breakthrough bleeding glucose intolerance 
the birth control pill can actually make you less insulin sensitive. So people can have a hard time losing weight. You're at increased risk for Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel diseases, diarrhea, dizziness, cervical erosion, abdominal cramps, bloating, intolerance to contact lenses, <laughs> nervousness, no, which is the pill monograph's way of saying anxiety. Yeah. Low mood, temporary infertility when coming off, meaning there is a delay in which you get you start ovulating when you come off the pill. Mm-hmm. Yeast infections, vaginitis, like there's this the list. list goes on. The list goes on. The monograph is being blatantly open about it. We mm-hmm. just aren't reading the package insert when no. we go buy the pill. So I you mentioned one of those was um, decreased fertility when you're coming off. So is I've heard this. Can the pill affect long-term fertility? So, great question. There's no research to say that the pill affects long-term fertility or it wouldn't have gone to market. So, mm-hmm. it, which means like they wouldn't have been passed in in um, all of the drug trials. Yeah. It, it does, however, have a temporary pause in fertility, which means it can take a a woman anywhere up from three months to two years to start ovulating properly again most women start ovulating again within six months Mm -hmm. so the delay is usually about three to six months however the pill may not cause infertility or a decrease in fertility but what can happen is the pill can hide conditions in which lower your fertility Mm. so for example the biggest most prominent one being you went on the pill when you were in high school mm-hmm. like most of us did like most of us did and i don't even know a single person in high school who wasn't on the pill no it was almost like a peer pressure thing it was i remember it was like you were cool if you went on the pill right? exactly yeah it was like a mystery whether you were sexually active or not mm-hmm. if i'm on the pill there's a potential that i am and it's yeah. like a, it's almost like a status thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely a status thing. I remember when I first went on the pill, I was in grade 10 and I went on it because I had really bad acne and um, I, I remember the doctor's appointment and my mom's like, oh, you're not going on the pill. And then the doctor suggested the pill and I was like, yup. <laughs> and it, yeah. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. At that age, mm-hmm. we are looking for things in our body to condone being on the pill Mm -hmm. i had the same experience i had extremely heavy extremely painful periods and Mm -hmm. then my skin was also horrible in Mm -hmm. high school so when the doctor suggested the pill i was like yes Yes. please (laughs) i've been waiting for this moment now i can finally be cool exactly (laughs) yeah absolutely so there's a definite issue in the way we look at the pill it is more cool shall Mm -hmm. i say to be on a hormonal contraceptive than to be body aware and Mm -hmm. actually know our cycle so because at such a prime age we were put on the pill our hormones stopped Mm -hmm. so our progesterone and our estrogen stopped yep we have essentially not been cycling for sometimes 10 15 years yeah i was on the pill for grade 10 i just went off a few months ago so what's that eight how old are we in grade 10 yeah, that's probably for you, like, like seven eight, or eight years eight ago. Years, yeah. I think. yeah, I have friends going up on 10 years, yeah. right? So this is back to my point of in high school, mm-hmm. you could have been 
prescribed the birth control pill for irregular cycles. Mm -hmm. You didn't know when you were getting your period. It was super irregular. Your body's still trying to figure its stuff out. And the doctor suggests that you go on the pill to quote unquote regulate your cycle. This is, this conversation could go so far. It is a pet peeve of mine. The birth control pill will not and does not regulate hormones. It, it creates hormones and tricks your body. So you're not regulating anything. When you exactly. go off of it, you go back to the same problems you had before. Exactly. So essentially, the period on the pill is actually not a period. It's called a medical withdrawal bleed. It's a pill bleed. Oh, that sounds so bad. <laughs> this is another great conversation. So when the birth control pill was first designed, mm-hmm. they didn't have the sugar pills. They never had a break. So women hmm. never bled. And when it went to trials, women were actually really distraught and they felt abnormal. They felt something was wrong because they weren't getting their period. Mm-hmm. So the pill went back to the labs yeah. so that they could create a synthetic pill withdrawal bleed to make women feel more normal when taking the pill. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the, the bleed on the birth control pill is just a medically induced withdrawal bleed because you're dropping levels so drastically when you take a sugar pill that it triggers like the lining of your uterus to shed so it's not regulating anything Mm -hmm. it is giving you synthetic hormones and it is giving you a scheduled medical induced withdrawal bleed every 28 days as if you're getting a period and when you shut down your own hormones you're also shutting down symptoms Mm -hmm. so if you had a heavy period if you had a painful period if you had acne from increased testosterone levels or excess estrogen you are essentially getting rid of your hormones and binding that testosterone and lowering that testosterone which in fact lowers your libido as well Lower testosterone lowers your... I feel like that's opposite of everything I've ever heard. Yep. With less testosterone, women have less of a libido. And the hormone, the birth control pill binds to testosterone and makes it inactive. It makes Mm -hmm. it into a form that our body can't utilize, which lowers acne. So we are Mm. putting a band-aid on all of these hormone imbalances that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. and And because it's shutting down our hormones, it's shutting down those symptoms. So we feel better. Mm -hmm. I actually, um, when I was coming out, which decided to go off birth control, I was like, I, I had this like thought, I was like, I don't even know myself when I'm not on birth control because I've been on birth control for so long. And I like went through puberty on birth control. And so I was like, what am I like, who am I as like, what is my mental health actually like? What, like, are my moods actually like, what is my sex drive actually like? You know, I kind of like went through this like self, like re self discovery. Because I didn't know who I was, like, not on birth control. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I speak to so many women who are talking about feeling like they're crazy, feeling like they're anxious, feeling like they have a low mood, Mm -hmm. feeling like they don't really know their body or they're having really weird symptoms or we will not know what our body is like until we know how we cycle naturally because as women our hormones are meant to be changing every single day mm-hmm. it's this int- it's this curve that fluctuates you know every 26 to 35 days mm-hmm. and you won't know yourself until your hormones are where they're supposed to be yeah. and essentially you are a bit of a different person on birth control because of how much hormones can influence our well-being yeah so our cycle is not just 
a marker of fertility, our hormones are a marker of our overall health and well-being. Mm. So that is an incredible, incredible thing to <laughs> talk about because yeah, we don't know. And like you said, you went on so early mm-hmm. that it's quite possible that you potentially had PCOS and then went on birth control. Okay, what's PCOS? Oh, sorry. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. <laughs> so it is um, usually insulin resistance type of pattern. However, uh-huh. there's different different types, mm-hmm. not medically. They only think that there's one type, but there's some more research out there suggesting that there are different types, such as inflammatory PCOS, post-pill-induced PCOS. There's insulin-resistant PCOS, stress-induced types of PCOS. Mm-hmm. So these are not medical terms, but they are patterns that may contribute to a PCOS-like state. And PCOS is marked by high androgens, Mm -hmm. so whether that's testosterone or DHEA, as well as irregular cycles and ovulatory cycles, which means cycles where you are not ovulating, completely missing periods, Mm -hmm. as well as um, cysts on the ovaries. However, unlike the name polycystic ovarian syndrome, you do not have to have cysts on your ovaries to get this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You need to have high androgens as well as a lack of ovulation, irregular cycles or missing cycles and some women who are completely healthy have cysts on their ovaries so that's not really a good definitive marker but this is a condition because it is marked with anovulation which is a lack of ovulation Mm -hmm. it is a condition that can affect fertility so if you had pcos Mm -hmm. and you went on birth control and you shut down your hormones so now we don't know if you have pcos or not and then you come off birth control, mm-hmm. you still have PCOS. Yeah, that never addressed the problem. It never addressed the cause. Mm. So because of that, that is why some women think that when they come off birth control, they their fertility is affected. Because now they've gone mm. 10 years with an unaddressed PCOS-like like state. Issue, yeah. yeah. Or other fertility issues that mm-hmm. have been covered by the pill. Mm-hmm. So although the pill doesn't cause any fertility issues itself Mm -hmm. it hides problems that could Ah, cause the fertility issues gotcha gotcha a very very long-winded answer (laughs) but yes but okay no that makes sense so there are there any other like kind of side effects i mean besides that long list yeah (laughs) i think what what is really that what really stands out to me is just what were you like before Mm -hmm. and are you feeling any progressively like compounding effects so the longer you're on the pill the more nutrient depletions you get Mm -hmm. so for example b vitamins are really depleted magnesium is really depleted zinc there's a whole bunch of like minerals Mm -hmm. and vitamins that the pill actually decreases yeah so the longer we're on the pill the longer we can experience a compounding effect of nutrient depletion so I would say things like not tolerating stress very well. Mm-hmm. Your B vitamins are essential for your adrenal function. <laughs> so if you are feeling like everything is stressing you out and everything is overwhelming to you and you're super anxious or your moods are really being affected, I would say that definitely start looking at potentially the pill as being an influence on that yeah that's why i went off it because i felt it was just affecting my mental health far too much i was like i can't deal with this anymore yeah and i was like you know what like 
Yeah, let's eliminate that as a, yeah. as a potential, right? Let's uh-huh. come off of it and see if your mental health improves. Mm-hmm. But usually um, mood symptoms don't improve until you address the underlying nutrient depletions. Mm-hmm. And that's when we have to really rebuild when someone comes off or if they're on the birth control pill, not for hormone balancing, but for contraception, mm-hmm. we need to give those women the nutrients that it depletes to counteract the side effects. Mm-hmm. Keep your liver healthy, keep you really well nourished, take some supplements so that you don't get the side effects mm-hmm. of the all of these imbalances. Yeah, that's why it was kind of a tough thing like for me choosing to come off because as the listeners know, I've been in a long-term relationship so I'm like having sex with the same person so and like we don't use condoms when I was on the pill because we didn't need to and then making that switch from no condoms to condoms honestly really sucked (laughs) that is a really good topic that you're bringing up because that is one of the things that most women are afraid of Mm -hmm. is that when I come off the pill I'm gonna have to start wearing condoms again and condoms are really uncomfortable and they just are not as they're not enjoyable. Well, it's always intimate of an yeah. experience, and if you're putting a piece of latex, yeah, exactly, know? putting a piece of latex on there, or even just the conversation with your partner yeah. saying, "Hey, I know we used to do this, but you're gonna have to start doing this because I want to see how my body's working." And mm-hmm. for people in this circumstance, I think it's really important to have a conversation with your partner and say, "Hey." I want to come off of this medication that I'm taking every single day to see if I can feel better in my body and I really want to take ownership and learn what my body actually needs Mm -hmm. and to do that I need to see what my cycles are like and what my hormones are doing and I need you to be on board with supporting me through this and what makes it really good is also finding condoms that fit properly so my one have you heard of my one no so that's a online condom company where you put in exact one. measurements oh. so that you have a completely custom fit condom so that it is not like the store-bought condoms, which is another really important thing. Cool. Yeah. So condoms don't always have to be bad. And yeah. when you learn a method like fertility awareness, mm-hmm. you can know really well which days you're fertile and which days you're not. Mm-hmm. I have been using fertility awareness for a year and a half now mm-hmm. and I actually feel more safe having unprotected sex using fertility awareness really? than I did even being on the pill because I know my body so oh, well wow. at this point that once I've confirmed ovulation, yeah. I know that an egg dies within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So there's zero chance that I can get pregnant once I've confirmed ovulation. So I've also heard that's kind of scared me. Um, sperm can live in up there what's where does it live the yes okay it lives up there for like six to seven days so sperm is resilient it can live up to five days okay in your uterus and in the fallopian tubes Mm -hmm. and how this works is once we've produced enough estrogen Mm -hmm. that's what triggers ovulation so our estrogen rises we have our first day of our period and Mm -hmm. after we stop bleeding our bodies producing estrogen. Mm-hmm. So as our follicles mature and as our estrogen increases, mm-hmm. we start producing more cervical fluid, which is mm-hmm. the vaginal discharge. Mm-hmm. And as estrogen increases, we get this really fertile cervical fluid. And the cervical fluid is can be like a milky, creamy, or stretchy, egg whitey type discharge. Mm-hmm. You can stretch it between your fingers if you were to like feel it. You're gonna feel it around. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that is like a home for sperm. 
So mm. if you have unprotected sex during this time, mm-hmm. it's like a highway. It takes that sperm and it whips them up to your fallopian tubes. Whips it up there. And it whips them up, <laughs> whips them up there. That is like prime time for making a baby. Okay. So if you are trying to get pregnant, uh-huh. you're looking for the cervical fluid and saying, I am fertile right now. This is the time. So that cervical fluid houses sperm. And it feeds them and it keeps them nourished for five days. Mm -hmm. And it waits for us to ovulate. So once we've passed the estrogen threshold Mm -hmm. and we produce a hormone called luteinizing hormone, Mm -hmm. we ovulate if healthy and everything's balanced. And when we ovulate, the egg pops out of our ovary Mm -hmm. into our fallopian tube and it can only live for 24 hours. Okay. So if sperm can live for five days Mm -hmm. and the egg can live for 24 hours, we now have a six day window in which Mm -hmm. sperm can become in contact with that egg. Okay. So five days before we ovulate, Mm -hmm. including the 24 hour window that that egg is alive is our fertile window. So yes, if you have unprotected sex within five days before you ovulate, Mm -hmm. that sperm can meet the egg in the fallopian tube and you can conceive. So there's basically a six day window throughout your cycle where you could get pregnant. Exactly. And learning about (laughs) when when that six day window is, is how you can take control of whether you want to get pregnant or whether you want to avoid getting pregnant. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of info. Um, (laughs) good though. Um, okay. So we've gone over the side effects and I remember when I first, um, went on birth control, these, like they talked about the severe side effects that we talked about, but these smaller or not small, I don't want to diminish them and say smaller, but the everyday side effects, they weren't ever really talked about. So why aren't medical doctors talking to people about these side effects? Great question. Now, it comes down to a few different factors, and mostly it's because doctors or any primary care provider, they weren't given this information in medical school. Mm-hmm. They were they are here to make sure that we don't have a severe life-threatening side effect, yeah. right? In their minds, preventing pregnancy is more important than the potential adverse reactions of being on the pill. So what this means is that in medical school, they're trained to identify who's at high risk, who's going to have life-threatening reactions, and that is their focus. And also the drug companies that come in with their birth control pills, they are selling them, right? Like they are trying to explain. It's a business. It's a business as well. But besides that, the doctors are not necessarily informed on the adverse effects. The research out there isn't very supportive to say to make a direct link between birth control pills and these side effects Mm -hmm. they are just the experiences of women during these trials Mm -hmm. so a lack of research a lack of education but also a general fear of women are afraid to get pregnant and doctors are also afraid that they're going to get pregnant and because we don't know our bodies it is safer for our primary care providers to overlook these side effects so not to scare you mm-hmm. so that you stay on the pill to prevent pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's definitely a combination between a lack of education and societal pressures and just doctors not even knowing that there's better, more effective, more safe, non-hormonal options. Yeah. So come yeah, a lack of education and I guess like the social stigma around abortions and things like that and a teenager getting pregnant yeah exactly and in med school 
doctors are also taught to use the birth control pill to solve hormonal conditions. Mm -hmm. So for example, we'll go back to the PCOS example. Mm -hmm. They are taught that the pill is a good medication to give for symptom relief. So Mm -hmm. in med school, they're taught how to use the pill for treatment. Mm -hmm. So they're just going back to what they're taught, but also they only have a certain amount of time with us, Yeah. right? So if they don't have a good amount of time to explain all of our options and explain where we can get more support, their most effective method is gonna be, here's the pill, here or here's the IUD, here you go, and then they can leave knowing that you have a method Mm -hmm. that works for you. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) wow. Um, Okay. So you talked about the fertility cycling um, as a method of birth control. Can you talk more about that? Like how, like getting to know your body, how do you get to know your body? How do you, is it just a long time of trial and error or? Yeah. So the fertility awareness method, which I really want to preface is not the rhythm method, which a lot of doctors also think. The rhythm method is just a prediction. So it's similar to the apps. Okay. They're predicting Mm -hmm. when your period is, when your your fertile window is based on calculations. Okay. The fertility awareness method is using three biomarkers. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the cervical fluid as one, Mm -hmm. as well as your basal body temperature, which Mm -hmm. is taking a, like taking your thermometer. Mm taking your temperature under your tongue every single morning before getting out of bed. So as soon as you wake up, the first thing you do is you put a thermometer under under your tongue tongue to read your temperature. And those thermometers have to read to two decimal places so that you have a really accurate reading. And you can also look at your cervical positioning. This one's a little bit more intimate. You actually Mm -hmm. have to feel for your cervix. And that can change depending where you're at in your cycle. But using these three biomarkers or two of the three biomarkers, Mm -hmm. you can learn where your cycle is. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't recommend it enough. There are fertility... Um, awareness educators out there if Mm. you can work with an educator or work with someone or like a health professional that's really well versed in this these people can work with you to help you chart your cycle and what you do is you chart your cycle based on your temperature Mm -hmm. based on your cervical fluid and if you feel comfortable based on your cervical positions Mm -hmm. and it usually takes about three months or three cycles to learn your window And then it's just a matter of knowing that our body's actually kind of like a machine. Mm -hmm. Like we are so, when working optimally, our cycles are so on point. Like we always have the same luteal phase, which means ovulation to menstruation. We, each woman has a different one, but we all have the same. So when you know when you ovulate, Mm -hmm. which is marked by an elevated temperature, you know to within like 24 hours when you're going to bleed. Really? Yeah. So I have That's a, cool. It's so cool. And as soon as you know this, uh-huh. you can know when you're getting your period. Yeah. So that's more reliable than an app. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's where the apps can also be really helpful. But when in combination mm-hmm. with tracking your temperature every day and tracking your cervical fluid. Mm-hmm. So just like a quick example, I get my period mm-hmm. and I'm... T- I have my withdrawal bleed after coming off the pill. Yep. Okay. It's not the period. It's a withdrawal bleed. And now I'm waiting for my next real period. Mm-hmm. I'm taking my temperature every single day. Mm-hmm. And then I notice a spike in my temperature. And then this spike in my temperature is sustained. 
mm-hmm. and it'll actually show on a graph that the first half of your cycle is low and the second half of your cycle is elevated temperatures and when you ovulate you produce progesterone which mm-hmm. is only only ever produced when you ovulate mm-hmm. and progesterone boosts your metabolism and boosts your metabolic rate oh. and your temperature so that is like an indicator that you have for sure ovulated unless you're sick of course because yeah. there's other things that can <laughs> other external <Yeah>. factors <laughs> yeah so and when you approach ovulation your cervical fluid changes so it's just a matter of learning the method there's a really good book mm-hmm. um, by tony weschler called okay. taking charge of your fertility that outlines it all but there's a method to it and once you get familiarized with it or work with a practitioner to really get to know your body it's as simple as knowing that when your cervical fluid changes from dry or tacky to mm-hmm. this egg whitey fluidy you know that mm-hmm. ovulation is coming and hmm. then the temperature proves that it has definitely arrived and what was the book called taking charge of your fertility taking charge of your fertility i'll put that in the show notes yeah. guys um okay so we're gonna maybe switch the conversation from birth control a little bit to periods so start off with an easy question well i don't know if it's easy but <laughs> um is it true that when girls females live together spend a lot of time together that their periods sync up is that a myth or is that fact so it's funny that you are asking this question because as females or as anybody who has a menstrual cycle mm-hmm. there's undeniably something that happens yeah. in which we seem to cycle sync with each other okay so undeniably we experience it however research has tried to prove this uh-huh. and they cannot prove it <laughs> they have essentially said it's a myth it's false in a research lab setting yeah. we cannot prove that but this, it happens <laughs> that this actually happens however women will definitely say it does and i think a big part of it too is like back in the day we used to live outside under the moon yeah. and our cycles were influenced by the moonlight and like during oh. a full moon the moon is really bright and it lit mm-hmm. up the sky and there was something about the light and our circadian rhythm mm-hmm. that is that how you say it i thought it was circadian honestly it could be either <laughs> we don't know we okay. don't know circadian circadian whatever one of the two, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> we'll look that tomato, up after tomato. <laughs> tomato tomato yeah so the light influences that rhythm okay <laughs> and and that can influence our cycle. So I think it has something to do with the moon cycles and potentially maybe it has something to do with pheromones and mm-hmm. the energetic compounds of it that science just can't prove quite yet. But does it happen? Undeniably, yes. yes. Can science <laughs> prove it? No. No. <laughs> okay, so that's just, that's still a myth. <laughs> it's still a myth. <laughs> We're working on it. Not to say it's not true, but science yeah. still likes to think of it as no. <laughs> Okay, so I know, and I think a few of our listeners know, we had a period episode a couple weeks ago, maybe, um, and we talked about types of um, period, like types of period, like collection devices. Yeah, okay. collection devices. Okay, I was trying to think of a, a way to say that. Um, so I've heard, I feel like most people have heard tamp- about tampons about toxic shock and things like that. So I want to know what 
what are the side what are how do the tampons affect your body so as like everything there's different kinds of tampons Mm -hmm. right so we have our conventional plastic insertion tampons and even better our fragranced conventional (laughs) tampons so (laughs) yes your poor vagina. Your poor <laughs> vagina. Exactly. So conventional tampons are bleached. Mm-hmm. And if you are getting the ones with fragrance, that is a complete synthetic chemical compound. Mm-hmm. There is no need for any type of fragrance product near, around, on, in our <laughs> vaginas. Okay? So those ones will definitely have the most side effects, right? You could be absorbing those synthetic compounds. You could be allergic to the synthetic compounds they are going to be very disruptive so avoiding any kind of fragrance Mm -hmm. is very beneficial however i actually wanted to look at the research for this because there's definitely a lot of blogs out there that say you're absorbing tons of chemicals when you use tampons and don't buy the bleach tampons and there's actually no research to say that the levels being absorbed are harmful in a conventional tampon Mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it that our vagina is a mucosal membrane Mm -hmm. and it's permeable meaning we we can absorb medication and we can absorb toxins through that barrier into our body so to err on the side of caution it is better to buy like an organic compact organic cotton unbleached Mm -hmm. know where you're getting them from trust the brand Mm -hmm. if you're going to be inserting something in there but an unscented conventional tampon product Mm -hmm. the amounts that you absorb you do absorb some of the byproducts but they are very minimal and I think the conversation more comes towards like your microbial balance so the vagina microbiome when you're inserting a dry tampon and you're removing it and it's sitting in there for long periods of time Mm -hmm. bacteria can overgrow so Mm -hmm. that's where toxic shock comes in if you leave them in for too long Mm -hmm. it creates a really conducive environment for bacteria Mm -hmm. so it's really important that we really address our vaginal microbiome and that you pay attention to your body when you use tampons do you get more of a yeast infection do you get odors do you get differences in vaginal discharge are is your microbiome being affected by having a tampon in there but and then again there's other things such as like the diva cup or mm-hmm. menstrual collection devices oh everyone knows i love my diva cup i'm obsessed <laughs> with my diva <laughs> cup as well all the time. it could be okay <laughs> This is like a little bit off topic, but how was your first experience with the? Diva oh, cup? it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I was like, I set my alarm for thirty minutes early the morning that I was gonna like first put it in because I was like, I don't know how this is gonna go, and then like, oh, it wasn't good, and then I like the first time I tried to take it out, it like I don't know, my vagina like sucked it up. And so <laughs> I was explaining this to someone the other day. I had to like push it out and then I was like so scared I was like oh my god I'm a panic attack this thing's stuck up there it was so bad so the reason I ask is because I had a very similar similar (laughs) situation I was like I'm off birth control I don't want to use tampons and mostly for me it was the waste factor yeah that's why I yeah I didn't I didn't want to be contributing to another form of waste when there was a different option out there yeah so i bought the diva cup and i didn't really i just read the package insert yeah. 
put it in, which was a bit of a struggle too. And then when I went to take it out, I, it literally took me 55 minutes oh my God. of undressing completely in every yoga position that my body knows, trying to yank this thing out. And yeah. there was a moment that I thought I had to go into urgent care I know. to have yeah. it removed for me. I know. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital and get this removed. Right? Like, how embarrassing. So the reason that I am bringing this conversation up is because women... Girls, whoever is using the Diva Cup or any collection device, now that you know how to insert it properly and remove it properly, they are the best thing ever. The best. The best thing ever. (laughs) But if you haven't tried it yet, you really need to activate your Kegel muscles when removing it, which means when you are taking it out, you need to activate your lower abdominal muscle and pelvic floor and essentially push it out as if you were having a bowel movement to lower it down so that you can reach it and pinch it and break the seal with your finger and pull it out. So this is just a nice little warning for anyone thinking of using it. As soon as you master that, they are the best things ever. You can't feel them. They last 12 12 hours. And you can measure the amount of fluid. Uh So you can look at the color, the consistency, how much is coming out. And that in itself is really good indicators. I call my period my monthly report card because it shows me how well I did for my overall well-being that Mm -hmm. month. I love my period. I think it's such like a cleansing period and it's awesome. So yeah, everyone knows I rave about Diva Cup, so. Yeah, the Diva Cup is awesome, just. And yeah, they have, you don't have to do Diva, like that company they have, there's Doc Cups, there's I think a Red Cup. I I, like think Playtex makes one now. They're becoming Um, so popular. So popular and. endless shapes, endless sizes. And there's some companies I know that, um, I think Dot specifically, I'm sure other ones do it too, but. If you buy one from them, they'll donate one to a woman in need or whatever, yeah. which I think is awesome. That's amazing. Uh-huh. The only thing that does worry um, me about the cups is just looking at colors. So mm-hmm. I know some of them come in some really fancy colors. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the ones that are uncolored potentially could be a little bit better just because they obviously had to use something to color it so just be mindful of that however they are medical grade silicone usually so yeah my only thing is i have the clear one and it's a little off-putting when it gets (laughs) stained which is normal (laughs) yeah right as long as you know that however just look up the manufacturers and yeah yeah do your research and Switch over because they're amazing. They are incredible. And also like for anybody using pads too, I just want to preface that that these same principles go for them as well. Mm-hmm. Scented colors, where is it being manufactured, who's making it, what's it made out of, how long is that sitting against your vulva? Yeah. Because So our vagina is the inside of yeah. like our vagina and then there's the vulva which is what people usually ref- like reference as your vagina okay mm-hmm. your vulva is the outside your vagina is the inside mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the pad sits against your vulva and those pads if you leave them on for too long are creating an, a breeding ground for bacteria as well mm-hmm. so just making sure you're changing your pads regularly and you're buying a brand that you trust so yes everybody is responsible for doing their own research. So anything that we say on this podcast, anything that you see in blogs or doctors, like you are in control of your own body and it is your responsibility to do your own research and see what works for you. Well, and if it's trial and error period, you have to figure out what works for your body, do that. 
Um, and yeah, just one more thing about the dog cups or diva cups, whatever. Like a, like a tampon, you'd be out during the day and you have to change it when you're at work, school, whatever. You don't have to change it. People get scared that you're like, oh, well, what if I'm in public and I have to change it? You literally never have to change it. I change mine in like in the morning and then in the shower at night. Yes. And that's all. Yeah, they're amazing. Done. Just at home. Yeah. Done. And if for some reason you put it in incorrectly and you are, say, spotting a bit through it, like mm-hmm. bleeding through it, and you do have to change it in public, take a water bottle to mm-hmm. the bathroom with you. You can change it in a yeah. stall and you can just rinse it out over the toilet with a water bottle. Yeah, good to go. And you're good to go. <laughs> I love that. Okay. And amazing. Okay. Anything else about tampons affecting your health or do we do we think we kind of covered that? Um, I think another thing just to preface is that just the health of our vaginal microbiome. Yeah. So anytime we're putting anything inside our vagina, mm-hmm. we are disrupting our microbiome mm-hmm. and our microbiome usually does recover from this and having a men- like having a period and menstruating is flushing out and cleansing mm-hmm. out and clearing out that area. But just being aware that our vaginal microbiome, as soon as our vaginal microbiome is off, we can experience yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis. Mm-hmm. And just to preface, so a yeast infection is we all have yeast and we all have bacteria down there, but it's when the balances become off. So if we have more beneficial bacteria than bad bacteria then we have a good microbiome for it if we have too much yeast we have signs and symptoms of a yeast infection and if we have too much bad bacteria we can get bacterial vaginosis oh bb sucks and (laughs) just so everyone's aware like that's not something that people get from sex like you don't have to have sex to have bb Mm -hmm. bb can happen at any time and it's just an imbalance in your microflora So that could have been from eating too much sugar. That could be from your gut being unhealthy. That can be from your microbiome. Like your microbiome in your gut can directly influence your microbiome in your vagina Mm -hmm. because it's the same bacteria. Or it could be from stress or it could be from poor immune function or it could be the tampons and the pads that you're using. Mm -hmm. So just being aware that our vaginal microbiome can make us more susceptible for micro tears and irritation and spotting and bleeding and if you are um, having sex with multiple partners Mm -hmm. if your microbiome is off you actually are increased risk for contracting sexually transmitted diseases and we don't want those and we we don't want that right (laughs) so and if you do that's okay we Mm -hmm. roll with it and we support your body but if we can prevent it Mm -hmm. vaginal microbiome is really key so Mm -hmm. pay attention to what's going down in the lady bits Mm -hmm. she's telling you something if it's not normal um okay so i'm sure we've all done this and we've all wondered if it's bad for us or if it's good for us um or not probably not good for us but (laughs) the effects of it so what is the 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 side effects i guess of doubling up your birth control and just skipping your period like we've all like been to sunfest now i'm gonna get my period at sunfest i don't want it so just take another pack like what how does that affect you (laughs) i'm really glad that you asked this question because the answer is probably going to surprise most of you probably you actually can skip your period your bleed Mm -hmm. on the birth control pill with zero side effects Okay, because you mentioned earlier that the old pill, when they were first developing it, no one got a period. So then I was like, 
Exactly. So we have been conditioned to believe, and I'm so guilty of this because when I was on the birth control pill for six and a half years, I wish I knew this. Mm -hmm. You do not actually have to take the sugar pills. The sugar pills are there to make us feel more normal. (laughs) So when you thought that you were doing a bad thing by Mm -hmm. not taking the sugar pills and skipping your bleed, Mm That was just a societal norm saying that we should get our period. So society just made this up. Society pretty much made this up. So what I would say safely is that research suggests that you can skip like three months in a row and then you should have a bleed Mm -hmm. just to kind of reset things. And also what's beneficial about the sugar pills is they give you seven days of no hormones. Mm -hmm. So it's a break for your liver. It's Mm -hmm. a break for your gut. It's a break for your body. Mm -hmm. So... If anything, it's not the bleed, it's the seven day break our body gets from the hormones. Mm -hmm. So we don't wanna be skipping it every single month because we do wanna break from the hormones, but you can safely and effectively skip three bleeds in a row. So you could just take your pill on for three cycles and then have a bleed. So essentially only have a withdrawal bleed every three months. I remember, yeah, yeah, when I would, um, double up or whatever that's what I always called it doubling up um if I would like take a pack and skip my period by the end of the second pack I would start spotting a little bit and I think I don't know if that's like normal or that seems that seems to kind of be a consensus I've talked to a few people and that's kind of yeah essentially a similar thing they would experience when you do take the sugar pills you're clearing out that uterine lining mm-hmm. so the longer you take it the uterine lining is just kind of sitting there so mm-hmm. you are kind of starting fresh every time you bleed, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure your, your risk for spotting and breakthrough bleeding will increase. Yeah, but as for, sure. for like symptoms and side effects and research, mm-hmm. you can you can skip it. I would say up to three three cycles with no major concerns. But I do I do encourage people not to do that just yeah. for the effects of giving your body a break from the hormones. And sometimes the bleed is a little bit more intense mm-hmm. if it's been three months. So yeah. so girls, you're not gonna die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to stress about it. It's okay. <laughs> yes, and stress is gonna be even more damaging yeah. than the effects of it. So if you are on vacation and you're at Sunfest <laughs> and you want to skip that bleed, go ahead and do that. Just don't get in a complete pattern of doing it. Don't get in a habit of doing it. Don't get in a habit of doing it, right? <laughs> and you'd mentioned that you called it doubling up. I just want to preface that there's there's doing that. There's mm-hmm. taking your pill without the sugar pills. But there's also, if you miss a pill, doubling up on a single pill. Oh, yeah. That is what really messes you up. Oh, I've taken like four at once sometimes. <laughs> okay, do not do that. <laughs> Because if you've gotten that deep into it, you yeah. are not protected. <laughs> so there's no point in giving yourself that much hormone at yeah, once. It's not good. <laughs> this is where I find people experience a ton of mood symptoms. So if they missed a pill or they missed two pills and then they go, oh crap, and they just take four of their missed, <laughs> missed pills or two pills at once, that is a lot of hormone on your body at once. Yeah. And that's when you're going to feel really off. So all of the symptoms I described earlier are going to be intensified and you're going to really have to support your liver and gut and detoxifying those hormones because you're essentially mega dosing on them. Mm -hmm. So if you do miss one day, yes, double up as soon as like take the pill when you remember it. And if you have to take one in the morning, one at night, like Mm -hmm. read the insert, every insert kind of has a little bit different way of Mm -hmm. doing it. But once you've missed two pills... 
do not take any more. Just use backup protection and start fresh. Like, and just keep going. Just keep going. Don't take four. <laughs> you will feel like an emotional disaster if you okay. do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Noted. Don't take my advice. <laughs> Use backup um, protection if yeah. you've gotten that far into it. Um, okay, so I kind of want to talk about, I didn't, you don't have this question prepared, but um, what is the difference between, so when I was on the pill, I did the 21, so I didn't take sugar pills just because I liked not having to take a pill for seven days. I thought, what's the point? So is there a benefit versus not of taking like a sugar pill for the week of your period versus not? Like, does that matter? Is it personal? preference that is completely personal preference Mm. so the sugar pill is only designed to keep women or anybody taking the birth control pill in habit okay so it's it's strictly habit forming when i took the birth control pill i never took the sugar pills yeah i just yeah just like having a break the sugar pills are 100 percent optional and they are only in there to maintain the habit of taking a pill at the exact same time Hmm. okay all right, our final question. What is it like to come off birth control? You've come off birth control, I've come off birth control. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Well, before we dive into my experience, you are freshly off. What has your experience been like so far? So I I feel great. <laughs> yes, so I've only been off, I think, I think this is my third period, so three months I guess so the first one would have been a withdrawal bleed yeah so how many of your own periods have you gotten two okay this is my second but I feel like this second this period that I'm having right now I'm getting like like I feel like when I had was on birth control I didn't get like as intense period symptoms I didn't get really emotional but like this period has just been like (laughs) oh my god I'm crying over everything (laughs) um but yeah no I feel great my mental health has increased like exponentially um I don't I'm not like moody I yeah like I don't it's been great that <laughs> my is experience amazing has been great. and like I said like I don't really I didn't really know myself prior to the birth control so I didn't know like if my boobs were gonna shrink if I was gonna like lose weight if like that was gonna happen but and nothing's happened I stayed constant there so so what I'm hearing is everything with your identity is the same, staying pretty the same, but mm-hmm. your mood is feeling better. Mm-hmm. Which I think improves everything. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's a really similar story to what I had. I came off a year and a half ago mm-hmm. because I, was, I had extreme gut imbalances. Yeah. I had small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. I had food intolerances. I had extreme bloating extreme pain like diarrhea four times a day like there was something seriously wrong that sucks it sucked it was horrible i lost 15 pounds i was really 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 unwell Mm -hmm. and i don't blame it on nursing school but it definitely the stress definitely contributed (laughs) and i got treatment for all of my gut things with my naturopath and i was feeling good and then my symptoms started coming back and Mm -hmm. that's when i started going into a deep dive about the effects of my birth control Mm -hmm. i did not want to come off birth control i thought that it was the only way that i could have sex with my partner yep and that if i did if i came off i didn't know what my options would be Mm -hmm. so I was afraid to come off and i was quite resistant to it and then i started realizing how important through research and through looking at health professionals that were advocating in this field, how important our cycle actually was for our overall well-being. Mm-hmm. So I came off and I 
never associated with a person that had low moods. Like Mm -hmm. that was nothing that I can identify with, but I was a very, very anxious person. Mm -hmm. Like I had extreme social anxiety. I could not tolerate stress. If Mm -hmm. anything were to set me off, my heart would pound, my face would go red. I would start sweating and I would have like an intense, like sympathetic reaction to like everything. And I came off birth control and I kid you not within weeks, It was like a cloud lifted over my head Mm -hmm. and joy was experienced so much more intensely. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this what life feels like? This is life. This is life. Like (laughs) life is good. Like Uh I feel like my happiness meter went up. Yeah. I don't know if that is a thing. (laughs) And I have not experienced a single panic attack since being off. In a year and a half. A year and a half. Haven't had a single panic attack. And the little things that used to make me so anxious mm-hmm. are like nothing. Like I did a school yeah. presentation yesterday mm-hmm. and I didn't even get any reaction. Like really? I was just up there feeling just good, it. just doing it. I had less worry. I have less worry about what people think. Like mm-hmm. there's something about, I was able to re-nourish myself and my nutrients were good and I'm severely lactose intolerant mm-hmm. and there's actually lactose in every single pill. Yeah, I know. I was... <laughs> I was shocked yeah. when I learned that. Yeah. So I hadn't been having any milk products mm-hmm. for seven years, mm-hmm. yet I had been introducing a small amount of lactose in my birth control pill every single day. Yeah, birth control's not vegan, guys. No. The pill is not it's vegan. It's not. <laughs> yeah, so that definitely contributed to my digestive issues. We have hormone receptors in our gut, but my my gut symptoms went away as well That's and when excellent. your gut's healthy your mind is healthy mm-hmm. and however i should preface that my skin oh my gosh my acne i have never had such bad acne in my life yeah my acne it didn't it didn't come back like as i would say acne but like like last week couple weeks ago even i was like breaking out like no other my t-zone was a mess so yeah, that wasn't super fun. That's another reason I was scared to come off of it because I was like, well, am I just going to get this acne back that I went on it to prevent? Yeah. So this is a really, yeah. really good topic because what you had before you went on the pill, it's uh-huh. likely that those same hormone imbalances are still there. Mm-hmm. And instead of being really upset with our hormone imbalances and our heavy periods and our acne and our lack of periods and our irregular cycles, instead of being really upset and angry with these thank your body for showing you that there's something wrong. Yeah. Because if you have acne, there's something wrong in your detoxification pathways Mm -hmm. and your body's just letting you know, hey, there's something up. You either have high testosterone or your estrogen is too high and your detoxification pathways are gone or you have poor gut health or you're allergic to some products that you're using. Like every time we have a sign or a symptom, these are showing us that there's something wrong in our body and that we need to fix them. So yeah, when you come off birth control, you need to learn how to use hormones again. Mm -hmm. So since you haven't been producing any of your own estrogen and progesterone and your testosterone has been bind like binded in Mm -hmm. like an unusable form Mm -hmm. our testosterone starts going up which means our libido comes back yes that was (laughs) another thing oh my god i was horny as hell (laughs) ladies if you think that you are not interested in sex when you're on the pill and you think it's just you there's actually a biological reason like your testosterone's being binded there's not enough testosterone in your body to actually make you horny like come off the when you come off the pill your testosterone goes up but when your testosterone goes up 
you can also be more dis- like predisposed to having acne mm-hmm. because androgens will do that. And if you're not ovulating, there's no indication to your body that you should want to reproduce. Mm-hmm. So ovulation makes you want sex. More attractive to the opposite sex, like men will actually find you more attractive even if there's nothing changed to your appearance their pheromones are just like smelling the pheromones like, without even knowing it and being like who is this hot <laughs> chick she's feeling herself like you, like that is like prime time yeah it's a thing it is a thing so coming off birth control you usually get sore boobs sore nipples estrogen like symptoms you kind of can feel bloated you can have some mood imbalances your gut can feel a little bit bloated you can definitely get acne and the acne usually lasts three to six months until your hormones clear themselves up but once you balance out your hormones and support your body really well everything kind of starts normalizing again so there are some pros and cons because our body needs to relearn essentially how to use hormones again, but there's definitely some supports that you can take based on your previous experience. So what were your periods like before birth control? How can we predict what might happen when you come off and how can we use some supplements and some lifestyle support to specifically support you? And that can be tailored depending on who you are mm-hmm. and what we are thinking might happen to you. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is great. <laughs> Um, all right, Emma, is there anything else you would like to add to this discussion on birth control periods? Or do you think we've covered most of what we can cover for today? I think we've covered a big chunk of what we can what we can cover today. Mm-hmm. The topic will expand. Like there's so much more we could talk about, mm-hmm. but I just want to preface again work with someone who specializes in this area Mm -hmm. surround yourself with information so that you can make educated and informed decisions and i do really want to preface i am not against hormonal contraceptives Mm -hmm. i'm not against the iud's i'm not against the birth control pill i'm not against i am against depo provera i will say that (laughs) okay Okay. we'll get that to another topic but when it comes to the birth control pill and IUDs being my more favorable option of mm-hmm. hormonal contraceptives, they are for contraception. If you have a balanced hormone, if you feel good, if you're not experiencing the side effects and your hormones are working optimally and you have a regular cycle and you go on a hormonal contraceptive for contraception, meaning to prevent pregnancy, then that is an informed like decision Mm -hmm. that you're making if you know the side effects if you know how to support your body then yes that these might be the ways that you choose to prevent pregnancy and if you find out that that's what works for your body excellent excellent personally it didn't work for emma and i but (laughs) exactly if you have these and you don't have side effects and you feel great that is awesome however if you do have hormone imbalances or you do have these side effects or if you don't know what your cycle is like off yeah or if it's been prescribed to you to put a band-aid on a condition or symptoms or imbalances, that is when I feel really strongly that you could be supported better. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. And if you if you can't afford, say, a naturopath or someone, just follow. Like everyone has Instagram. Instagram's free. Follow people who are educated and post educated facts and 
good things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so with that being said, where can our listeners find you and all your knowledge? So I, this is my favorite topic. I love posting about all things reproductive and sexual health. So the best place to follow me is over on Instagram. And that is I am Emma George and on my website, which is www.iamemmageorge.com. All right, guys, and you know where to find us, Getting Mouthy Podcast. Um, Listen on your favorite platform, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. And if you could like, like, rate, review, subscribe, that is all so appreciated. Uh, We love you all. Thanks for getting mouthy with us today, and we'll chat soon. Bye.